With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hello. Hi. I think we should just sing our intro from now on. <laughs> Sorry, arms akimbo. Yikes. We're taking sure we over. lose listeners at that point. <laughs> Half the people are here only for that song. <laughs> yeah, they just play that on repeat. <laughs> this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hey. And I'm Sabrina, and we're on the same coast. We are, because New York owns you for one month. Basically a full month. I just got here. I feel so luxurious. Staying in a hotel is really fun. I get to like watch TV when I go to bed and just like hang out it's like all night. It's a sweet life of Zach and Cody. It's a sweet life of Sabrina. It really does feel like that. I fell asleep watching Forensic Files, which is something we would never be able to do if I was at home with Nick, because I don't think that's a great nighttime show for... Oh for us and then and then i discovered for us or for him i think for him i was being nice and i discovered this show called very scary people it's on this network called hln which is a cn i had to look it up because i was like i've never heard of hln but cnn owns it i guess and it's the show is so good i watched one about jim jones and then i watched another one about john wayne gacy and then i fell asleep watching the eileen woodrow one but it's so good and so detailed. It's like goes into it's an hour long episode and they go into every little detail about these people's lives and you they interview the people who are part of the investigations and then the trials Whoa. and some of like the family members victims. It's really good. There's a podcast and I can't even remember the name of it. I'm going to look it up right now. I just started it, but it it kind of as you were talking it reminded me of that because it's the whole podcast is about this like horrific, horrific murder that happened. So Jill texted me, my roommate Jill, and she said, have you heard of the heads of Sierra Blanca? What? It's a podcast. And she goes, it may be the most fucked up podcast I've ever heard. It's about a serial killer. And I don't think I'm going to sleep. It posted a live stream. They include it in the podcast. And then she just like goes into all of the details. And I was like, what? How did I not hear of this? This can't. What? And so I Googled it. And not to spoil it for anyone, but it turns out that it's a scripted podcast. So it's a lot of creative writing and some amazing voice actors where it tricked Jill a little bit. But she was so happy to hear it didn't actually happen because she was like, I'm not going to sleep. This is the scariest thing to happen. But um, I feel like it's a really good one. I just started listening to the first episode this or today, uh-huh. but I feel like anyone who liked the black tapes, this Ooh. could be like a good murdery version sort of of the black I tapes. I miss the black tapes. Okay. The black tapes were great. Wait, I'm going to download it. I was in it, it with great. them. 
I'll add that to my list of things to fall asleep to while I'm in New York. Oh, and for book club. Yes, what did you read? So I made my book club. We picked out a, the, I think it was the first book that the TGOG book club read. Broken the Girls? Broken Girls. Yes, it's so good. What did you think? Oh, well, no, we picked it out today. So oh, we're, oh, we're oh, back oh. in four weeks. Gotcha. Okay. I just was like, it's spooky season, so I get to pick because I'm the scariest person in this book club. (laughs) That's how it always is for mine, too. And I'm bummed I'm missing our Halloween book club because I'm here. But I've already been looking up. And because of all the research I was doing for the episode today, I found multiple haunted houses in New York that I definitely want to go to. Oh, my God. Hell yes. I need to find some good, like, I really want to go to those corn mazes where they, they run through Chase the corn you. directly at you. Like you're t- trying Ooh. to take the paths, but... They're cutting through. They're cutting. I feel like those are my nightmares. Like I already dream that. I don't need <laughs> to live it too. Oh my God. Speaking of nightmares. What? So good and bad thing happened. Yesterday I went to Maggie Rogers. That was good. That was actually it excellent. so good. She's so freaking amazing it was so much fun and you had good seats oh no we were almost in the very last row i just was really good at being really still and zooming in and trying to hold my phone and track and you're very impressive it looked like i was way closer than i was but i was like i don't know like the 10th row from the very last row you could be a surgeon with those steady hands change your career surprisingly i already had three drinks so oh my god even more impressive impressive pat myself on the back here (laughs) but she was just so amazing and she's she just like floats all over the stage and you can tell that she's not even really thinking about what she looks like or what dance moves she just does what she feels and it's just so refreshing and energizing to see someone like that that's amazing so the whole time I was so into it. And then the nightmare that happened was I i don't think I'm normally an awkward person, but <laughs> I was so awkward in this one moment because I saw three girls walk by me and like locked eyes with one of them. And she looked almost identical to my cousin, one of my cousin's friends mm-hmm. who I hung out with like twice. And so we both lock eyes and we're like, oh, my God, hey hug her and then i'm like oh my god and then i turn to the other two girls to say and i start saying like oh i'm laney's cousin because i thought it was my cousin's friend <laughs> and then i realized i went to high school with the other two girls and then i turn back to the girl that i think is my cousin's friend i go oh my god i went to high school with them we went to high school together and she goes yes we all did and then she like reminded me of all their names and i was like i am such an idiot oh. like I just I just went past it. I was just like, oh, cool. Like, do you guys live in Boston? But I was mortified after. I was like, wait, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. It seems like you covered well. I don't think so. <laughs> it's fine. But I was also like, how funny that I thought it was someone else that I knew, but it still turned out to be someone that I That is knew. really funny. It'd probably be worse if I hugged a random stranger. I don't think any of those are bad. Okay. You're fine. I just, I've had increasing amounts of shame recently. Shame is upon me. It's not. It's in your mind. I don't know. I think things are changing. Shame is coming. <laughs> shame shame is coming. I actually, yesterday, I had just gotten off the plane. I went to my hotel. I dropped my stuff off, and I was going to meet my sister for dinner. And I was walking on the street, and I ended up going to the wrong restaurant. So then I was turning around, and I went to the other, like, where I was going in the direction of the right one. And I walked past this girl, and I'm like, 
that looks so much like my cousin's cousin. And sure enough, she turned around a second later and goes, Sabrina? And it was. It was her. And like, had I not gone to the wrong restaurant, had I not walked out the right time, I wouldn't have seen her. But it was just so random. And of the amount of people who live in New York City that I ran into her and like the first person I saw on the street. Destiny. It was funny. That's so wild. Small world. It's moments like that that make the world feel so small. Yeah. And she like lives in Germany right now. So she's like only here for a few weeks for a wedding. So the chances of running into her were so slim. Yeah. So slim. And you don't even live in New York. I know. So crazy. You guys just both randomly were in New York on the same street, passing by each other in the same moment. Destiny. 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 We have a... Business? Small-ish podcast update. Yeah, a business update. A business update. I was trying to think of like a combo word for that, like a shipping, like business date, but that's not... No, it's just an update. We're just changing a little bit as we start breaking into our third year of doing things so crazy ish yeah i guess this is where we've moved into our third year third calendar year but not no because we've we've already hit two years so we're working right now is currently the third year of our podcast that we're working through you're right we're working towards the third yeah (sighs) math math so crin and i are very busy human beings but And so are all of you. And all of you are. And there's a combo platter of reasons that we want to do this. But one of them is that we're so busy. So we are cutting the podcast back down to... That makes it sound bad. But this is a great thing. This is great news. (laughs) We tried to make the best of something bad no it's not bad fuck (laughs) we're fucking this up it's a great thing we're going to go back to one episode a week but instead of short encounter episodes on wednesdays where we only read four stories we're going to do every other sunday is going to be a full length encounters episode of an hour and a half of reading your stories listener stories because we have over over like four thousand unread emails in our inbox right now oh unread yeah i was gonna say i'm pretty sure our inbox is like five thousand okay maybe it's that but they're all we did read a lot our first year yeah there's so many ghost stories that you guys have been sending us and reading four a week just like hasn't been enough so we're gonna do no it leaves us craving way more yeah so we're gonna do one episode every other sunday where it's a full encounters an hour and a half of your stories and then the other two sundays of the month are going to be our regular like this episode where we do research we pick a topic etc yeah so still pretty much the same stuff it's just a little different in terms of yeah when you get the stuff and for how long you get this stuff we're still us we're still us just two girls and one more time commitment (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and we just figure People love listening to the ghost stories. People want to hear their stories on the episodes. And so here we are. Here we are. Uh, but that will start November. So we'll continue the way we are mm-hmm. all the way through the end of October, our spooky favorite season. So you'll get tons of good yes. goodies, including the one this week, which I'm very excited to get into. Oh, yeah. I need to take my sweater off. Hold on. I'm overheating. Okay. So the topic for this week was chosen by a Patreon donor, Kim, and she chose the dark carnival or carnivals and circuses. Yes. Which is so fun and creepy. 
The whole time I was writing the episode this week, I was just thinking of Halloween Horror Nights and going through the, what was it? It was Killer uh, Clowns. Yeah, the Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Oh my gosh, that one was so cool with like the banana cream pie and like all the different smells, Mm -hmm. popcorn. Now you're making me hungry. I know. Or I think of the movie Us when she starts walking into the fun house. Oh, yes. The house of mirrors. Who's first this week? Um, That would be you. Oh, great. Because that's a great segue for me because I am doing the story of Elmer McCurdy. The man who traveled from carnival to carnival while he was dead. What? For over 70 years, the corpse of Elmer McCurdy was on display in multiple carnivals <gasps> and then eventually inside a carnival fun house at the Pike Amusement Zone in Long Beach, California. Why do I kind of know about because this? Because many podcasts, including My Favorite Murder, have done this story. Okay. But I wanted to do it because it is so good and so, so fascinating. So good. Oh my God. And so creepy. And it just like blows my mind. You'll, well, I'll tell you everything and then you'll know why it blows my mind because it's just like, how does okay. this happen? But anyway, for years, like strange things would happen at these carnivals and strange things would happen at the Pike Amusement Zone and no one understood why. But perhaps it had to do with the dead man hanging inside as a prop. <laughs> so a little bit of that's so messed up like kids were probably bumping into that they didn't know it was a real corpse either it's crazy it's so bonkers how this happens and then the way that it was revealed that it was a real corpse is even more crazy and terrifying like if that happened to me i'd probably commit myself to my bed for the rest oh, of my life oh i know exactly okay yeah memories are flooding back <laughs> but for those who haven't listened to those other podcasts, let's give it a hear. And even if you have, it's October and we love hearing spooky things. Okay, so Elmer J. McCurdy was born on the very first day of the year 1880, also known as January 1st, 1880, <laughs> in Washington, Maine to a single mother. Her name was Sadie McCurdy. She was 17 years old when Elmer was born. And there were rumors that Elmer was actually a product of incest with a uh, with the cousin, Sadie's cousin, whose name was Charles Smith. And because of that... How old was Charles, I wonder? I don't know. I, I don't know that. But when Elmer was born, everyone was kind of giving Sadie the side eye. And there was like, you know, during that time, during the 1800s, a single woman raising a child out of wedlock was very frowned upon, unfortunately. So in order to save herself from the in quotes, embarrassment, which are not my words, but just how the interweb described it as Mm -hmm. and also how it was at that time in the world. In order to save her from like all the looks and like the judgment from from all the townspeople, her brother George and his wife Helen adopted Elmer as their own son. So Elmer grew up believing that his parents were George and Helen and that his aunt was Sadie. But then in 1890, George died of tuberculosis and Helen and Sadie moved with Elmer to Bangor, Maine. A few days after their arrival, Sadie decided to tell Elmer that she was his mother and not Helen. Naturally, that's not like an easy thing to comprehend no, or process. No, that on someone. No, no. And I mean, I think when's the right time? I don't know. What, 
well, there probably There's is probably no right, no right time. time. But the worst Jinx. time would be after death of who you believe to be your, your father. father. Yeah. And you just move to a whole new mm-hmm. place. That seems like the least opportune time to just drop another bomb. Yeah. And he was only 10. He was 10 years oh, old at this he time. Was 10. Yeah. So he was young. And Elmer didn't know, he didn't know how to process it. He struggled with this news and he, the man he thought was his father was dead. He now has these two women in his life who are both his mother and he doesn't know how to process it. And he's 10 years old and begins to drink. And, and also Sadie was like, I don't know who your real father is. I think because she didn't want to, either she didn't know or who knows what the situation was if if he was a product of incest or if Charles Smith was a horrible person and she didn't want him to know that he was his father. I don't know. But anyway, Elmer becomes unruly and rude and he left home to live with his grandparents back in Washington, Maine, where he was born. And apparently he heard the rumors that Charles Smith was his father and just like got what got more into alcohol and became even more of a drunk and became unruly and rude. He starts shadowing his grandfather who was a plumber. And so he's becoming his apprentice and he's working every day with his grandfather. But then his liquor intake gets very out of hand and he can't keep a job and he loses his job in 1898. So now he's 18 at this point And a year later, his mother, Sadie, died from a ruptured ulcer. And then a month later, his grandfather, who he was studying under, died. And so everything was just crumbling before him. It's all happening within this, like, short little time period. He just feels like he can't handle anything. And so instead of dealing with it, which is hard to do, he just became a drifter and moved around the U.S. or drank his way around the U.S. He would pick up odd jobs plumbing and then he would get drunk and he'd get fired and he'd move on to the next place and he was in jail in 1905 for his drinking and then in 1907 he joined the army where they put him in charge of operating the machine guns and trained him how to make explosives for demolition purposes which sounds very safe and very smart oh yeah (laughs) um and in 1910 elmer was honorably discharged from the army which i'm not I might be speaking out of turn, but I know I think that there are some situations where people are honorably discharged when they do something really bad in the military, but they don't want to deal with the whole thing. Yeah, maybe. I don't really know much about yeah that. All I know is that he continued to drink during his time in the army. And then when he left, which was like November 7th of 1910, he met up with some old army buddies and three days later were arrested because they were found with like all these tools for robbery. And he was found with chisels, hacksaws, funnels, gunpowder, explosives, and money sacks. And they were planning to rob a bank, but also back at wherever he was staying with his army buddies, they had found all these plans and kind of beginnings of a invention that they were making apparently they were building their own machine gun and building their own explosives which are all things that he had learned in the army and that's not okay yeah so he and his buddy were arrested but then they couldn't 
because they didn't actually rob a bank, there was no proof that that's what they were going to do. So they were found not guilty and Elmer's let out of jail and he's like, I'm invincible. No one can touch me. I'm going to rob a, I'm going to rob a bank for real or I'm going to rob something for real. Just do a different, come up with a different plan, man. You know, it would, uh, seem like the right, you know, that seems like the logical thing to do, but it probably isn't the easiest thing to do. (laughs) Wait, oh my gosh. A few of my coworkers were just telling me that apparently robbing banks is really easy and it happens all the time. Well, yeah, the act of robbing a bank is easy, but you're not going to get away with it. No, but people get away with it all the time, apparently. How? With all the cameras and They were doing research and apparently in Los Angeles... Or in California or something like that, the the amount of robberies to how many people actually get caught, it's like the if you do it once, usually you can get away with it, but it's the second time or if you continue to do it and get greedy is when you get caught. And I was like, how is that possible? But apparently it is. Because you can just I'm sure go up to the teller. Like a certain amount of cash that's like prepared expendable. and ready to give if you're held at gunpoint. Gunpoint. Yeah. But isn't that but, crazy? I mean, if you're going to go for like a real... You're not getting away with it. No. No. And Elmer is proof of that. And this is the 1900s, early 1900s, and he did not do so good. Um, there's a really funny quote I'll tell you about later that makes me... It's it's sad. I'm sorry, Elmer. He had a tough life, but doesn't forgive him for doing these horrible things. He didn't kill anyone, at least. Okay, so Elmer decides he's going to start robbing banks and trains. And so he continues to build his explosives and he and a few buddies go and rob this train called the Iron Mountain Missouri Pacific train. It's a mouthful. And they stop it and they find the train car because apparently there was a safe that was traveling on one of the train cars and they had heard through the grapevine what train car it was on. So they stop the train. They go and find this train car. They get inside. They find this massive safe, which is supposedly supposed to have four thousand dollars in it and they're like this is gonna be the the jackpot the money load i'm so excited i will never need for anything ever again in my life and so they're in there and elmer has he has his explosives that he's prepared and he puts it on the safe door and boom it explodes but he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed and he built explosives that were far too strong and so the safe door opens and when he looks inside basically all of the money was destroyed through the explosion oh no and so there were like a lot of silver coins in there but because of the heat in the explosion they like melded into the safe so even if they could scrape it off the safe door which is extremely heavy where are you going to take that to be like, hey, here's my money. Here's a blob of sil- melted silver. Yeah. And so they ended up only walking away with $450 rather than the 4000 that was inside. Wow. That is such a bummer. Yeah. This kind of, it re- it reminds me of, I feel like I bring up this TV show in every single episode, but in The Good Place, uh-huh. when the one who's originally the monk when he and his buddy... Oh, oh, oh. Jay. It starts with a J. Jason. Jason. There we go. Jason. When Jason and his buddy lock him with like a snorkeling mask inside mm-hmm. of a safe. This is what it's reminding me of. That is me. very just funny. Like, it's just like it, not an, totally thought out. 
Not at all. Yeah. So he's like kind of bummed. He didn't, it didn't work out the way it wa- he wanted it to, but it's okay. There are more trains. There's more money. There are more banks. We can still do this. So in September of 1911, he do- he's like, all right, buddies, army buds, we're going to do this again. And we're going to rob Citizens Bank in Kansas. And so he and his friends spend two hours chipping away at the bank wall with hammers and they finally get through and they're into the, they're in the bank's vault. Do you like how I'm doing my action? I'm like, like you're creeping puppeteers. So they get inside to the bank vault and the door is there. So they have to put an explosive on the vault door. And we already know Elmer's not great at judging how many explosives he needs. And yet again, he underestimated the power of the explosives. And so he explodes the vault door. The vault door opens, but then the entire bank basically gets destroyed and starts crumbling in on them. So he's like able to creep inside into the vault, but the safe door is still locked. And so he has to try to use another explosive to open the safe, but the fuse wouldn't light. So he wasn't able to. And then their getaway driver or whoever was going to be like their watch guy or whoever it was, got freaked out was like this isn't going as planned and they ran so then they're like shoot we're gonna get caught we just need to get we need to go as quick as possible so they see this little tray outside of the safe that had 150 dollars in it and so they grab the 150 dollars and leave wow i'm surprised his friends are even using him anymore i'd be like sorry i don't think that you're really adding much to our (laughs) our group anymore you kind of ruin every plan (laughs) It sounds like, though, they they probably didn't have the skills to use explosives. So without him, they... True. He got them into the door. That's just... true. Maybe they, you know, they needed to pick up their their slack. They they weren't and doing their part. third time's the charm. Like, first time was a wash. Second time, also pretty bad. But did did he get a chance to do a third one? There's a third one. So, so Elmer's like, okay, I'm not great at this, but... Instead of finding another more practical job, Elmer's like, okay, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to like shack up in this haystead at my friend's like barn and I'm going to drink. I'm going to drink a lot and keep drinking and then drink a little bit more and then some more and then maybe like I'll come up with a brilliant plan. Turns out a friend comes up to him. He didn't even have to find the plan because a friend found the plan for him. A friend comes up to him and goes, a Katie train has four hundred thousand dollars cash on it and it's going to be traveling through this area very soon and it was apparently some like money that was going to be transferred for a royal transaction i don't know all the specifics but they're like we know the train we know where it, where it's going to be when it's coming elmer's like oh yeah his eyes are lighting up there's like that drunken glaze where you like think everything's brilliant and he's like we're doing it that's so much money i I believe third time's a charm. He's on the same page as you, Corinne. He's like, we got this. (laughs) And so Elmer forgot to stop drinking before this intended attack. And he forgot to stop drinking. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, it slipped my mind. Forgot to stop. (laughs) Well, I guess if you're already drunk, of course, you're not going to be very thoughtful. No. So Elmer and his buddies stop a passenger train instead of the train that had the money on it. But they're like, okay, well, we stopped this train, so we have to get something. We still have to rob these people. So they go on the train, and they're, like, waving their guns around, and they're like, give us your money. Give us everything you have. And they walked away with $46, two bottles of whiskey, an automatic revolver, a coat, and a watch. 
a newspaper. Who would give them the automatic revolver? I don't know. I don't think they willingly gave it to them. I think they forced it from them. Good God. Yeah, maybe the person took it out trying to defend maybe. themselves. And- so a newspaper, this is the quote that I think is very delightful. A newspaper called it one of the smallest robberies in the history of train robbery. <laughs> okay, you suck. <laughs> Uh, so Elmer was very discouraged again, and so he continued to drink, and he has tuberculosis, he gets pneumonia, but he's like, screw it, I'm going to keep drinking. How he has the money to drink, I don't know, but... How old is he at this point? Uh, this is 1911, so he's... 30? 30. 30. Yeah. And he started drinking when he was 10. Yeah. Man, poor guy. So... Elmer continues to drink, and on October 6, 1911, Elmer passes out in a drunken stupor in his hay shed, and the next morning he wakes up. Like a, like a she shed? What's a she shed? <laughs> like a man cave, but it's a she shed. Oh, oh, that's amazing. I want a she shed. Yeah. I mean, this hotel room is kind of my she shed. <laughs> no boys allowed. So he's sleeping on hay. So he wakes up. It's October 7th, 1911. He wakes up. He's like super hungover and he's like about to reach for his bottle of whiskey to like, you know, best cure to hangovers, hair of the dog. And um, he sees three cops waiting outside for him. And apparently overnight, a warrant was put out for his arrest of this passenger train robbery and like a, I think a $4,000 reward, which is cruel because that's more money than he's ever even stolen. (laughs) And he sees them and he grabs this automatic rifle that he stole on the train and just starts shooting at them. And so these three sheriffs outside and they duck behind anything they can. They like try to save their own lives and he fired at them for an entire hour. What? How did he have that much ammo? What kind of bag does this man carry where he has backup explosives and an hour's worth of ammo? But this was where he was sleeping. This is like where he was staying. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm just picturing him like at least doing a little bit of movement. And <laughs> I feel like you're I know. you're picturing him like the Mary Poppins bag. Yes. No, no, he's in his own home. So he's like in this like, but he's he's kind of at an advantage, right? Because he has the security of this building and they're out in the open. So he's firing at them. Apparently it lasts for a full hour and the cops are firing back when they can. And eventually the shooting just stops. And so they creep into the haystack and there they find Elmer dead. One gunshot wound to his chest. And they don't know which of the three men killed him because they were all shooting back. But you know how death usually implies the end of someone's story. This is not the case with Elmer because his journey was kind of only just beginning because Elmer had no family. So his body was taken to a funeral home and embalmed with arsenic or with a fluid that had arsenic in it. So basically that was used in order to preserve the body for a longer time because the funeral director was like, okay, we'll preserve his body and hopefully someone who loves him or is his family member will come and claim him and then they'll do the proper burial and everything. Mm -hmm. But no one was coming for him and eventually some old friend came to claim Elmer's body, but the funeral director was requesting an immense amount of money because he was like, I did this embalming. Like, 
I need to be paid for my services and the friend didn't have the money to do it. Maybe a friend from his robberies who doesn't have money because he failed in the robberies. I don't know. But anyway, so Elmer's body remained at the funeral home because the funeral director refused to give him up without his money. So he was like, oh my God, okay, I've lost so much money on this Elmer guy. I am, I, you know what? I have an idea. I'm going to make money off of him. So he puts Elmer in some street clothes, gives him a rifle and a hat and uh, displays him in the front room of the funeral home and goes to the newspaper, puts out some advertisements, word of mouth, telling everyone, hey, like, come see the world's worst robber in uh oh my god dude i feel kind of bad for him <laughs> me too i don't know if he said come see the world's worst robber but i feel like <laughs> i was like this dude can't catch a break <laughs> it seriously though so they like prop him up and people start coming and paying some money to him and so he's making his money back on this guy on elmer's body and then five for, so this was like happening for five years the funeral director was making money off of elmer's body and then in 1916, these two men claiming to be Elmer's long lost brothers showed up to claim the body and they paid the director for the funeral director, his money, and they took the body, but they were not Elmer's long lost brothers. They were brothers. It was James and Charles Patterson who were brothers. Oh, I was like the Ringling brothers. <laughs> Close. We're going to the circus. We are going to a carnival. James and Charles Patterson owned a carnival and they had heard about Elmer's body and how he was making this funeral director money. And they're like, we like money. We have a carnival. People come to carnivals for all kinds of weird things like a dead body. So they bought Elmer's body and they put him on display as a part of their traveling carnival. So for decades, Elmer was going from carnival to carnival. He was bought and sold dozens of times. And each time his backstory kept changing. So like in 1933, he was purchased by Dwayne Esper and used to promote his film Narcotic. And Elmer's body was like in the lobby of several theaters where he was touted as a drug addict killed by police during a robbery. And... He was like in the theaters when people were going to see his movie. And then in 1949, Elmer made his way to Los Angeles where he was placed in storage until 1964. And then he was lent out to a filmmaker, David F. Friedman, who gave Elmer his first screen credit in the 1967 film She Freak, where She Shed was tokened. (laughs) And... Elmer was then sold with a few wax figurines to the Hollywood Wax Museum, which is when people failed to recognize that Elmer was a real human corpse and he was mistaken for a wax figurine. And so his like backstory, his the truth of the matter of him being a embalmed corpse was no longer his backstory. Oh, no. So he was on display at the Wax Museum for a little bit, and then he was sent to Canada and put on display as a part of an exhibit on Mount Rushmore. And the team in Canada was like, you know, Elmer's body is not lifelike enough. What? Which is ironic. They thought it was a wax figurine. And then they were like, it's not lifelike enough. I mean, if life is what you're looking for, he he ain't got it. He he's did. Dead. He did. He did. So the team in Canada were like, oh, let's send him back to L.A. So he goes back to L.A. And then he was sold to Ed Learsh, who is the owner of Pike Amusement Zone, which is the amusement park on the Long Beach promenade. 
he was staged in the fun house as a hanging man for years. And it wasn't until 1976 when the $6 million man TV show was filming at Pike Amusement Zone and the set designer saw this hanging man and was like, ooh, this is such a cool prop. We should move it and put it into like the background of what we're filming so that like we get like the cool visuals. And so he's taking this prop off the hanging, the noose that he was on, and all of a sudden his arm falls off. And that is when he went to therapy for the rest <laughs> of his life. Seriously. Well, first, he didn't realize, like, so he he's like, oh, the arm fell off. It's, like, probably an old thing. I just need to fix it. So he goes to his little set table where he has his glue, his prop glue. Do-do-do, back over to the body. He grabs the arm and goes to, like, lift it up where, like, it fell off and put glue on it. And he sees, oh, my God, there is bone here. There's bone and muscle here. And he just like throws the arm. He scrambles backwards. He's freaked out. He calls the police and he's like, this is not a prop. This is a real human corpse. And so the police come and they open an investigation. And for like a brief hot second, they were like, was someone murdered and hung in this amusement park? But they were able to track the bill of sales all the way back to the two brothers, the Patterson brothers. Which is when they realized this is Elmer McCurdy and this is a human being. Oh, man. Can you imagine the excitement, though, in the police quarters? Like, wherever they were when they finally made the connection of, like, just that that leap from when it went from being a wax figure or a prop Uh to an actual person. And they're like, we found it! Yes. Well, also, I feel like the leap from going from, oh, my gosh, there was a murder to... No, this is a strange situation where a body has been mummified and sold. Yeah, everyone just figured we'd pass around this one dead guy for 70 years. That's crazy. So so Elmer was finally buried in Summit View Cemetery in Guthrie, Oklahoma, almost 66 years after his demise. And the town residents gave him a parade to the cemetery and his tombstone reads, Elmer McCurdy shot by sheriff's, a sheriff's posse in Osage Hills on October 7th, 1911. Returned to Guthrie, Oklahoma from Los Angeles, California from, for burial April 22nd, 1977. And then cement was poured over the coffin in order to make sure that Elmer never went wandering about the country ever again. but for decades as if it were his choice i know right as if he's going like he's like i need back out but for decades elmer's body was traveling between carnivals and museums and his spirit was with him the entire time and like there were stories like very brief stories because there's not many records that are still around about these carnivals and things but there were a few stories that i found where some of these carnivals that elmer's body was at like there were weird things happening and people would see strange apparitions or a ghostly figure of a man and they never knew what it was and apparently bottles of liquor would go missing occasionally and elmer we know was a avid drinker alcoholic So it would make sense now after the fact, now that they know that Elmer was like a real human corpse, that that is why the liquor was going missing. And then in the fun house, even people said like, obviously fun houses are already terrifying, but that (laughs) when you were going through that funny, a fun house is terrifying. Yeah, they are though. Well, I guess that it's fun for some people, depending on what your definition of fun is. It's fun to get scared, right? So yes. 
but apparently like it always felt like you weren't alone and it because you weren't because elmer was real he was a real human ghost adventures actually did an episode uh on season 14 episode one if you're interested it's holla hello zach <laughs> you're interested <laughs> corinne's interested <laughs> so the episode was on the stone lion inn which is adjacent to the summit view cemetery where elmer is now buried and according to ghost adventures and the legend about stone lion inn the previous owner of the inn used to perform all these rituals in the cemetery to try to summon the spirits within the cemetery including elmer no let him be i know but so they went to go to his grave to try to like talk to him Uh, they got like a few evps from him saying hanged and homicide that he was killed because he was killed by the sheriff so technically he was murdered but he was shooting at them so rightfully so apparently people yeah, he was shooting at them for an hour <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah they had reason to shoot at him but so apparently his spirit has been seen in the stone line Inn. but there are also so many spirits in that Inn that they can't be certain for sure it's him but i don't blame him for feeling the need to just like hang around oh that was poor choice of words oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to continue to haunt the world <laughs> because oh God. He, had a, he had a rough go at it. He really did. If you look at his actual life, it's quite sad, everything he went through. Yeah. And then you think when someone passes away, oh, they're, they're set free. They're finally at peace. Right. But his body was like passed around and tormented and his limbs torn off displayed and like beat up and touched i'm sure by so many people oh my gosh can you imagine though the horror finding out that something in your fun house or like your carnival or even if you were a previous owner who had thought you had like a wax figure or prop Mm -hmm. finding out that it was a real human corpse and thinking back to all the times that maybe you just threw it over your shoulder or carried it or like <laughs> held its hand because you were lonely. Oh, man. Maybe give a little kiss <laughs> right on the cheek and say, I love you. You're such a good prop. You're not lifelike enough, but I still love you. <laughs> but I still love you. You're doing great at being a wax figure. So wild. And also, if you look at pictures of it, it is really unsettling and creepy it just amazes me that people weren't able to make the distinction between a wax figurine, which look super like shiny and waxy, and a mummifying, decaying corpse. I know. I need to look up pictures. What is his name? Elmer? Elmer McCurdy. Did you, did you already do this? Oh, I did this. Oh, wow. Well, it's hard because the photos are like, low resolution they're old the photo the photos are old so i can kind of see but like even in these pictures you can tell there is a especially when he was found in the fun house you can see the ribs yeah yeah you can the insides are it's clear what's inside yeah oh my god oh this is so sad it's just unsettling yeah it's very unsettling I mean, if that was done to my body, granted, I'm not going to end my life. I'm not going to die that way or I'm not going to be doing things like that in my life. But just like 
uh, imagine i mean I, we've talked about this before like even the paris catacombs or just places where they use skeletons and like this is why the movie the poltergeist was so haunted is because it was cheaper to use real human skeletons than it was to use fake ones yeah <laughs> and like that belonged to a human being to a person right. who had a spirit and a soul and to just be like oh i lived this this specific life and it's come to an end and yet you're going to utilize my innards in my body for your own personal gain without my permission right i know because there there are so many communities or well, i don't know if there are so many but there are communities that will keep their deceased loved ones in mummified states and like dress them up and put them on display to celebrate their lives during certain times but it's like that's a part of their culture and like going into death they know that that's probably what's going to happen and it's more of a celebration of life versus using someone's body as an attraction yeah yikes yeah helmer mccurdy well hopefully everything's cool in the graveyard now and he's at peace and just enjoying his time whether he's moved on or whether he's just like i'm gonna hang here yeah have a couple bebitas and yeah chill i mean the nice thing is that he he finally was buried which i am happy for yeah, me too. All right. I feel like I'm getting a little spooked because I don't know. This is the first time recording in this space and I don't know it and I'm not familiar with it. And it has a very dark black wallpapering in like the corner by my door. Oh, that's no good. And New York is like all these buildings are very historic and old and have a lot of history. And I'm going to just say no to all the ghosts. Just put the message out right now. Hey. It's the first night in the hotel. Safe space. For me, not for you. Yes. Just leave Sabrina B for the next three and a half weeks, please. Please. You should look up the building. See what you can dig up. Well, now I'm nervous. Or don't, because maybe that yeah, will scare you. I'm nervous. <laughs> I don't. I'll I feel good. I feel fine. All right. Well, hopefully you'll still feel fine after this story. Oh, gosh. Though, I think it's a little bit creepy. What is it? Well... So I know the topic is like dark circuses and carnivals and stuff like that. But surprisingly, it was actually kind of hard to find haunted circuses out there. And maybe you found the same thing. So either Mm -hmm. most circuses just are like blessed and relatively ghost free or actually maybe they're just really good at hiding it. Just like they're good at hiding the real life corpses of Elmer. People like Elmer. (laughs) (laughs) But I decided to start looking at just a... Something that comes from the carnival, something that you think of maybe when you think of circuses and carnivals, something that over the past few decades has transitioned from fun, family-friendly time to a bone-chilling nightmare. We are talking clowns. Clowns. This is great. This is a great follow-up because I just watched Very Scary People on John Wayne Gacy. I okay, and I'm it was okay, we'll get there. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm having a clown filled day. It's such a clown filled day. And I just finished the I think it was like season seven or season eight of American Horror Story. And clowns are a big part of that season. Oh, I need to watch because one of the characters has a huge clown phobia. Oh. So I'm not focusing on actual clowns, but rather I'm focusing on artifacts that include clowns. So like little trinkets that are like shaped like clowns or or whatnot. Hmm. 
Um, so it's just going to be a compilation of haunted clown artifacts. Starting with one very special artifact, a painting referred to as Smiley the Clown. And this painting seems pretty unassuming. It depicts what appears to be a friendly clown. He's wearing yellow. He's like a well yellow shirt and a yellow hat. And the painting is actually not a painting because it's stitched from yarn. So I don't know. Interesting. What you call that. Oh, it's like a is it needlepoint cross stitch. Cross stitch. My grandma used needlepoint? to make these. I don't know. Jill always corrects me on this because she's a cross stitcher. So I think it's a needlepoint. I think. Smiley the Clown is a needlepoint. It's a needlepoint. Anyway. Okay. Not much is known about this. I'm going to keep calling it a painting. Okay. It's believed that the painting was purchased at a Florida thrift store by some students who were attending Miami University. And these students hung the painting in their apartment, probably thinking, like, this is hysterical. Like, we're so cool. But not long after adding it to their wall is this funny piece of art the students realized that this painting was much more than just a goofy clown they soon began having awful nightmares and they all began to experience sleep paralysis and each one of them while frozen in the paralysis they all saw this humanoid figure with dog-like eyes slowly creeping towards them and none of the students had yet shared their experiences with one another so they they hadn't yet made the connection to the painting. They all just thought, like, how weird. I'm having these awful nightmares and I keep having, like, the worst Ugh. sleep paralysis with this, like, creepy creature in the corner. Terrifying. Right? And then as the nights continued, night after night, the sleep paralysis worsened. And the figure crept closer and closer to them. And eventually, the figure got up to their bed and climbed into bed with them. Oh, no. <gasps> and the sleep paralysis persisted. So they laid there, stalked, tormented, and frozen with fear with a figure lying next to them in bed. In bed. It was laying in bed with them. Yes. And it had only been three weeks since they'd introduced this clown painting into their apartment. And so then once the figure was like in bed with them they all started to sort of like mention things to each other and share with one another what had been happening to them individually and realized that they actually had this collective experience where they were all experiencing the same thing and being tormented by the same figure i hate it and that's when they realized okay well what changed three weeks ago when all this started happening Oh, we went to the thrift store and we brought back this freaking clown painting. (gasps) So then the students sent it anonymously to Greg and Dana, who I've mentioned plenty of times. They're the couple who own the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal. Yes. And now the painting resides among other haunted artifacts in their home, like the Crone of Catskills or the Dark Mirror. We? I'm tempted to go. Yeah. So, I mean... You can't go to their home, but you can. I can't. I can't just show up on their front door. (laughs) I'm here to see your creepy shit. (laughs) No, I don't. I wouldn't put yourself in in such a space of uh, creepy energy and demonic presences. But they do travel around and go to like different conferences and have different events. And like, I'm pretty sure they were, I swear, like last year or something, they were at the Lizzie Borden house and. Or, like, there was some di- hosted dinner night where they 
had a doll with them or something. That's really cool. And I was really tempted to go, but... Oh, maybe they... Oh, remember we were talking about... I think when I talked about Annabelle, they were hosting an event. They must have. Or maybe... That was something... I don't... No, that was the John... um, Ed and Lorraine Warren thing. Never mind. It all... It's just all... Yeah. But there are events that people can attend where they bring, I think, probably a few artifacts at a time, or maybe it's just one. Like, they had a whole event for the dark mirror, the Mm scrying mirror. But another haunted clown artifact that is also now in Greg and Dana's possession is the Cracking Man. The Cracking Man is a clown doll. Mm. Yes, a clown doll. I don't want that. Like a clown. No, thank you. Already terrifying. But this doll was discovered by a woman who lived in the suburb of Chicago, and she was flipping a house, and she had a few friends over alongside herself in the house, and down in the basement, they picked up what looked like a clown doll wrapped in something, and then they unwrapped it, realized that the clown doll was actually wrapped in a painting of itself, and then I guess the woman decided that this clown looked... um, fine enough to just take home with her and put on her own walls or shelves or wherever she decided to put it but i don't know anything else about this clown because you've just begun to begun to tell me about it but i'm gonna say it is awfully suspicious that it was wrapped in a photo of itself which either means two things one it's obsessed with itself (laughs) or two the person who last owned it learned that that is how you contain it. Yeah. Doesn't it seem, because why would you wrap it? Like, if you really cared about a painting or a drawing, wouldn't you think to just, like, maybe wrap it up or put it on display next to the doll, but to actually wrap a doll and, like, crinkle the artwork in the process? I don't know. Got some questions. Scares me. So this woman, she decides to take the doll home with her, and soon odd things start happening. And throughout the day, she hears this popping sound coming from all over the house. And she was thinking, like, weird. Maybe she's just imagining it. She'd also been losing some sleep recently, ever since she brought home the clown doll. But maybe she was just tired. She didn't really know what the popping, (laughs) cracking sound was. Whatever. But then one night, this woman wakes up. And next to her bed is a man, and his arms are twisted unnaturally. His head is drawn (gasps) back. No! And his body appears broken. And then the popping sound, the cracking sound that she'd been hearing throughout her house, is now loud, and it's close by, and it sounds as if it's actually coming from this man. Like (sighs) his bones and his joints are popping. Oh my god. No. Thank you. Yep. And so she's shocked and she recoils in fear. And as she does so, as she moves further away from the cracking man, he does the same and he disappears. He steps back and disappears. So this cracking man is obviously attached to the clown doll. That's the only new thing this woman had brought into her home. And very quickly, the woman found a place who would take the doll, which Greg and Dana took the doll, of course. Oh, my God. However, Greg and Dana keep many of the haunted artifacts in their home with them but they do not keep the cracking man clown doll why because they started hearing the popping noises. wait that's crazy because of the amount of things that they do have that do just as terrifying horrifying things 
and that is what they choose not to keep means yep. it's so terrifying. I know. I wonder if maybe I wonder when they got this artifact in their possession because what they went through with the crone of cat skills and like the creepy demonic woman leaving like wet trails and just yeah that seems so horrible and yet i'm pretty sure they keep the crone of cat skills with them so i'm wondering if maybe maybe they just don't want to risk a whole nother i don't know i don't know or maybe sometimes the dark mirror is a judge of other artifacts and they don't get along with each other so maybe some of the spirits were like you gotta go the tribe has spoken the tribe is smoking and you are voted off this island. Sorry. You can't sit with sorry, us. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> John Zaffis, he is a paranormal researcher over in Connecticut, um, and he is the nephew to Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh. And he oh, owns his ooh. own museum. It's the Museum of the Paranormal, and it's also in Connecticut. The museum at this moment, because I, I look, tried to figure out where exactly it is. Um, I believe it's closed at the moment because they're searching for a proper place to reopen it to the public so that everyone can come see all the items that they have. So at the moment it's closed, but while the search for a new property continues, there are a couple haunted clown artifacts just waiting for people to entertain. There is an antique clown, uh, and this antique clown is pretty menacing looking. The facial expression is more, I think it's, I don't know if I can call it a clown. It's definitely more of like a joker. It's got joker vibes. It's just, it looks like it's looking for some mischief. It almost reminds me of like Elf on a Shelf in a way. Oh, yes. Or Skeleton on Jello. What was it? What? Oh, Have you not seen this? Oh, the meme. I posted it on our Instagram. Instagram. What's it called? <laughs> it's not Skeleton. It on, it's something like that. Let me see. I'm going to find it. Get ready for skeleton on gelatin. Yeah. Skeleton on gelatin. I love it. <laughs> I mean, um, I'll participate. Same. Um, so this this antique clown, this antique joker, even though it looks to me, like if I saw it, I would never pick it up. Because I'm like, this thing looks evil already. But it didn't stop someone else from thinking maybe it was cute or maybe it was funny. Or maybe they wanted to prank some people. I don't know. But... The clown was picked up and purchased from an antique store, and the doll was brought home, and the buyer pretty immediately began having these really bizarre dreams about the clown, <gasps> and then just decided no, I don't right like there that. and then, like, ah, getting rid of it, which then allowed yeah. John Zaffis to add it to his growing collection, uh, and... John Zaffis does do a bit of work with the Paranormal Research Society of New England. And one of the members is named Joanne. And she has the ability of psychometry, which is the ability to read the energy of something that she's holding. So she actually picked up this antique clown. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Who else has that power? Oh, it's uh, vampire. No, I almost said vampire diaries. It's... um. Oh my gosh! In va- what's the twi- Twilight? In the Twilight? <laughs> what's the Twilight? <laughs> it's the what's the Twilight series called? <laughs> it's like when you're looking for your phone and it's in your hand. <laughs> um, that's one of the powers of someone. I think it's the, the baby in oh, Twilight. Yeah. If she touches your face or something, she can like see everything. Oh, I know who it is. It's the um. The girl with the dark, short, spiky hair. It's their baby. You know what? Okay. Probably a bunch of people in the movie have this power. 
Yeah. Let's not argue about Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> if this is an argument, I feel like we're going to be friends forever. <laughs> Uh, okay, anyway, so she picks up this artifact, she picks up this clown, and she drops it back down very quickly, like within seconds. And she says the feeling is way too intense, and everything just felt extremely unsettling. She couldn't no. quite pin what it was, though. But this clown isn't alone in its home in the Museum of the Paranormal in Connecticut. It also has another clown friend, a sad clown Oh. The sad clown is a painting, and it was purchased at an estate sale. What's up with all these clown paintings? I don't know, but not to bring up the good place again, but that was... Oh, yeah, her... Her living ear. room was just yeah. clown paintings. <laughs> Do you think there's a good market for clown paintings? Because I'm pretty sure I could paint a clown pretty well. John Wayne Gacy thought the same thing about himself. Okay. Oh, John and Wayne he, Gacy. He did... Terrifying. ...sell them for quite a bit of money. Okay, anyway... But uh, the sad clown was purchased at an estate sale by this woman who brought it home, thinking it'd be a great addition to her living room. Who doesn't want to look at a sad clown? It's like the crying boy. It is. It actually is very much so like that. Interesting. Because it's just like he looks so sad, too. But the family immediately took a dislike to this clown painting and Mm -hmm. said that the eyes of the clown would follow them Mm. as they moved throughout the room and then not only that but the painting would also fall off of the wall with no reasonable explanation and none of the other photographs or paintings artwork fell down only the clown would fall and after a while the family got fed up and they got rid of the painting which is why it's now at that museum but there's one painting one clown artifact that stands above all else and this oh, is no. the painting of Pogo the Clown. <gasps> yes, Pogo the Clown. Oh, no. A.K.A. John Wayne Gacy's alter ego. It's a photo? Just a picture? It's a it's a painting. So why? Why well, did I'll get there. paint I'll that? Get there. Okay. Okay. So in the 1970s, for anyone that does not know who John Wayne Gacy is, I'll give a very, very brief overview of this man and the horrendous murders he did. But in 1970, John Wayne Gacy went from being known as a husband, a restaurant manager, and an upstanding citizen in the community to literally every single person's worst nightmare. His alter ego was Pogo the Clown, sometimes also went by the name as Patches the Clown, which was probably the only nice part of him ever because Casey would dress up as Pogo the Clown and he'd go to different events in the community to help raise money for local charities. Yes, he'd go and visit children at the hospitals to cheer them up. Totally not bad, right? Well, as we all know now, while Pogo the Clown and John Wayne Gacy were doing their thing, being cheery in the community, John Wayne Gacy was also murdering young men many of them like teens and he would sexually assault them he would torture them and often murder them by strangulation or asphyxiation most of his victims were buried underneath his home beneath the floorboards and there are like maps out there that you can see like drawings of exactly where the bodies were um, i I was just watching this and it's because i had never seen the like photos of them unearthing the bodies he ran out of space under his deck. He did. So, yeah. So, so it, his. That's how horrible it is. It's. There were 
33 men that he was sentenced for. So, I mean, the deaths could be higher, but I believe it was 33 in total. Um, But yeah, he ran out of space and he started burying them in his backyard. And then the final few murders that he committed, he dumped his victims' bodies in the nearby river. Yeah. So awful. And he was sentenced to death. And they let him write a book. They let him do a lot of shady things. He basically was an entrepreneur in jail. Marlon jail, yeah. So he had, although he was on death row, he had 14 years to live before he would be executed. So he spent his time doing things like, you said, writing a book, but also he spent a lot of time oil painting. I didn't know this part. Doing some good old paintings. Yeah, there's some like, there's a a bit of controversy over some of his paintings because I believe... It's thought that he kind of like ran a shop, like ran a painting business and had some other people paint things for him and just like sign his name and like would slip them a profit, Mm. a little piece of the pie. I don't know. But anyway, John Wayne Gacy, he became a painter in, in jail and he painted a lot of things. He often painted things that seemed more dark and murderous, but many paintings were portraits of himself dressed as his alter ego pogo the clown i'm looking them up now Mm. (gasps) no he wasn't a great artist no but i feel like this is what i could do right but it just makes it almost creepier that they're not well done (laughs) yeah that's true if that makes sense they are unsettling yeah and many people were also quite upset that someone as evil as john wayne gacy could profit from his paintings while awaiting the death penalty. So there was a whole lot of drama over that. And then also in 1994, which was the year of his execution, there were 300 people, including some of the victims' family members, who traveled to Illinois to watch 25 of his paintings burn. But there were still many more paintings that remained, still paintings out there in the world today. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Seven years after... John Wayne Casey was executed in 2001. A man named Nikki Stone purchased one of Gacy's paintings. And this was an oil painting on canvas of Poco the Clown. Mm-mm. And the painting had already been passed around a bit, had quite a few owners in the short amount of time that it had existed. But this painting is very special because it's believed to have absorbed the murderous instinct of john wayne gacy no thank you yes i picture it kind of here's a little harry potter for you sabrina i think it's more of like a horcrux like it's a part of him right which is a piece of but that's not good no it's not and the death toll rises because this painting exists fun side note i'm going to see cursed child on broadway next weekend or actually the day before this comes out so i'll be talking about it a lot okay next week (laughs) shortly after nikki stone purchased the poco the clown painting in 2001 tragedies started to come a knocking at the door so the first tragedy for or that nikki experienced was the death of his sweet sweet pupper no not the pup not the pup and then it was just or it was just so sudden and unexpected And so it left him very shocked and in mourning. And then next, his mother was diagnosed with cancer. 
And so quickly realizing that the painting may have brought him some bad luck, Stone asked a friend to store the painting for him because he just needed it out of his house and out of his sight. And he just, just in case that was what was bringing the bad luck and the bad omen, he just wanted wanted to get rid of it. So the friend agreed yeah. and put it in his own home. But shortly after, the friend's neighbor got into an awful, awful car accident and passed away. <gasps> and the friend had been really close to his neighbor and was upset and was like, this is the fault of the painting. Like, I said I'd take the painting for you. But now look at what's happening. Like, death is following me now. And so then together they find another friend to take over the painting. And this other friend began to feel so extremely haunted by the painting oh i felt like he was being watched and taunted by pogo the clown and he ended up falling into a depression he began having suicidal thoughts and he attempted suicide Mm. at one point which was like the breaking point for the group of friends and they were like this is enough everyone who sees the painting gets like an icy chill in their veins bad luck is following everybody like we just we've got to go and actually fun fact at one point the painting was with one of stone's friends in cambridge massachusetts oh which is right here wow so it was close by but they were like it's time to let go of poco the clown and so this painting this extremely dangerous painting was to be sold and that's what they did and seemingly the death and danger that once followed them vanished. So they believe that it definitely was attributed to the painting. And maybe that's why the painting had been passed around so many times prior to them buying it or stone buying it. Wow. Another owner, a well-known owner of the Pogo the Clown painting, was Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp actually owned this painting at one point. But the painting made him feel so repulsed that he actually developed a fear of clowns. He couldn't bear to look at the painting. And so Johnny Depp, too, sold the Pogo the Clown painting. And so now we wait to hear what tragedies unfold on the newest owners of the painting. Wait. And all of us hoping and praying. Didn't Johnny Depp go broke? Huh? Didn't Johnny Depp have, like, a ton of financial issues? Was it while he had the painting? Oh, my God. Maybe... Or maybe he's just a wealthy person who doesn't know how to handle his money. Either way. Yeah, maybe he's got a whole lot of issues that he needs to do. And that's with, probably also. why he bought the painting in the first place. Because <sighs> Yeah. But I'm just, I don't know where the painting is now. I couldn't find out where it is or who the owner is. Um, but I'm just like praying that it all ends. Maybe it's just looking for its perfect match and then it will find it and just be like <sighs> chill and not hurt anyone. But... Otherwise, John Wayne Gacy's spirit lives on in this painting. I feel like um, I'm blanking on their names. That couple with the traveling museum. Dana sh- and Greg? Yeah, they should, they should get it. They should take it. They should. Or the, the Ed and Lorraine Warren's nephew over in Connecticut. Yeah. I'm curious, now that John Wayne Gacy's dead, how does, like, is there someone in his family who's making the money off of his paintings? And how much does this painting go for? Um, I think people would buy them for like probably originally like $400. But now I think they are sold for much more. Like I think yeah. st- I might be making this up, 
but I feel like I remember that Nikki Stone bought the painting for like $3,000 maybe. Oh my gosh. Which is a lot for like someone who has absolutely almost zero experience in art. Right. Taking some oil to a canvas in jail and painting whatever comes to mind. I mean, it's crazy because I feel like, unfortunately, it, it probably is worth more because it's a serial killer who painted it, which is why it's an issue in the first place. Oh, absolutely. And that's why it was so upsetting to so many people in the community and like a huge, a lot of the families that the victims felt like it was a big like F you. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I don't blame them. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Clown stuff is scary clowns are scary that's why we have the movie it that's why i know i never had all over the place i never had a fear of clowns until this episode i feel like now if i see a clown i'm i've always had a a resistance to accepting a clown into my life (laughs) but now have you been propositioned by uh i i don't know what i meant by that i feel like I don't know, like when you're at like haunted places, I was never like, oh, I should be scared of you. You know, like the amusement parks or whatever it is when the clowns are chasing you. I never felt I should be scared of them. And I like, I would run. Yeah. Do you remember last year? Was it last year when there was that whole string of... I think it was 2016 or 2017. Like, guys, like don't do that. Like it's it's messed up. Yeah. And it's also... I always think it's like it's dangerous too for anyone who just is trying to play a prank because you have no idea who you're encountering and who you're going to play the prank on. Like, right. What if someone feels extremely threatened and extremely triggered by you coming out of the woods at a children's park at night in a clown costume Which and they take matters into normal. their own hands? Yeah, that I would feel very threatened by that. If right. anyone, if anyone, were to come I don't first of all in this situation I don't know why I'm at a child's park late at night but if I were and anyone came walking out of the woods like even in plain clothes I would freak out and then to add a lot add upon that layer of them dressed as a clown I would freak out there was actually the best Halloween costume a few years ago when I went as 11 from Stranger Things I ran into a guy who wasn't speaking at all he was completely silent the entire, like, we were at the same bar. Like so June. Totally watching him plenty. But he never spoke a word. But he had the perfect, like, replica outfit of the clown from American Horror Story. I think it was, like, season five or something. Which is based off John Wayne Gacy. Yes. Mm-hmm. With, like, the mask that goes around the... The jaw. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It was so good. And oh, that's he creepy. high-fives me. And I was like... Yes. This makes me feel like I have a good costume if <laughs> someone with the best costume is high-fiving me. Oh my gosh, I need help with my costume this year. Please help me, everyone. I think I know what I'm going as, but I'm also timid about it just because I don't know what my plans are for Halloween. Is it Big and Mouth? What? Is it Big Mouth? <laughs> no. Oh. But the new season of Big Mouth is out and I've been watching it. I know I need to watch it. <laughs> it's good. Well, it's always good. Um, <laughs> No, I think I'm going to be much simpler. Well, I say simpler. It's it's not. Sure. Are, can you tell us or is this like know. a Should surprise? I tell you? You can surprise me. Well, I'm not going to be old Greg anymore just because I need a mother liquor. 
Um, mm. So until I have a mother looker to complete my outfit. I could be I'll, a mother looker <laughs> if we spend it together. If we spend it together, 100%. But I need I need to know soon because I got to get crafting. I know. I know. Um, but I think, okay, I'll just say it. I think even though oh, I'm so torn because I don't like need it. to. What? You don't need to tell us. <laughs> okay. I won't, but I'll just say it's a lot. It's kind of like funny, but also spooky. And there's obviously a wig and there's some long sleeves and I some face paint. And I feel like it could be, it could be just like ugh, really, I, I could really be overheating depending on where I go. I d- yeah. I mean, I, I wish I could help you, but I don't know what it is. So I. We can talk. I I don't know. I want to know. I just love. I just love exposing it on Halloween. Okay, fine. Expose yourself to me on Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll get ready. (laughs) I'm gonna Facetime you. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, I need help. So everyone else, help me. Okay. So to go along with your story of horrifying clowns, and to add to my newfound fear of clowns. Mm-hmm. I have a listener story from Amalthea that's called Chased by a Clown. <laughs> For the record, I've been terrified of clowns since I saw them at the circus. Their smiles are creepy and you never really know who is behind all of that paint. So true. I was about 15 years old when my mom and I moved into the three-bedroom side-by-side apartment in Rochester, New York. I wasn't necessarily happy about the move and the apartment seemed dark right off the bat. For the record, I've always been sensitive to the paranormal, and I had what I've now realized was a ghost child as a friend growing up. But I digress. Shortly after moving into the apartment, I became extremely depressed. My mom was rarely home because of work, so it was usually just me and the dog at the apartment. Of all the places in the apartment, the darkness seemed to radiate from the basement. Go figure. And that's where the laundry was. Even more perfect. There was a back room in the basement and the light didn't reach there and it was bathed in darkness. I would always bring the dog down with me to do laundry, but he would always leave immediately. One day I was down in the basement and I begrudgingly was doing laundry after telling my mom I really didn't want to go into the basement because I was afraid. And she told me I was too old to be afraid of the basement and that we needed clean clothes. So I went and I was loading the whites into the washer when the single bulb lamp we had in the basement to light the area flickered. I looked up reasonably startled given my location and I looked to the back room my heart almost jumped out of my throat and I thought I was going to faint but I had to move because there was a clown in the doorway oh I took off running up the stairs and it chased me as far as the steps into the kitchen I kept running up to my room and every day after that I would hear footsteps on the basement stairs One day, I ended up having to come in through the side door, which led directly to the basement stairs, and as I came into the door and went to close it, I was physically pushed by something unseen down the basement stairs, and I landed on my back. I got up immediately and ran to my room where I stayed until my mom came home. I never told her a thing. We ended up moving a few months later, but it doesn't matter. I've been followed by a dark entity ever since. I'm almost 26 now, so I guess it's here to stay. I only occasionally wake up with bruises. Oh, no, that's not okay. No. And my depression and anxiety meds help a lot. Thanks for reading my story. I love you guys. Amalthea. Holy moly. That's getting chased up the stairs and then taunted. Like, it sounds like she's just getting 
taunted because she'll hear the steps. Yeah. Hear the footsteps on the stairs every once in a while. Like reminded like, hey, you're not ever, you didn't escape me just because you. Well, it pushed her down the stairs. That's true. Terrifying. And then it followed her to a completely new place. I just, okay, well, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, is this a terrifying, creepy clown person hiding in their basement? It's a real human who just started chasing her, or is it a spirit? But clearly now now we know it's a spirit if it followed her. It makes me wonder if this is some sort of demonic entity that feeds off of someone's worst fear, <sighs> and maybe clowns were one of her ultimate worst fears, and it somehow knew that. Well, she said that she's always been afraid of them, so maybe. Right. Oh, a mafia, we need to find a way to help you. Let's discuss. If anyone out there knows how to get rid of a creepy clown ghost, let's help a mafia. Everyone come together. We are fighting ghost clowns now. That's our two girls. Our ghost. new motto. We fight two ghost girls, clowns. No ghost clown. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> That's wonderful. Regular clowns, love them. Ghost clowns, no thank you. Get out. Get out. Okay. I have a listener story. It is from Elle. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I adore you both. My favorite parts are when you scare each other. It makes me giggle so hard and it reminds me of my own friends. <laughs> so My fun. good buddy Claire turned me onto your podcast. So if you do read this, you're welcome, Claire. They said your name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, friendship. Anyway, I just listened to your train story. I listen to your podcast every night before bed, and you mentioned a clown episode. Well, I sure do have a spooky story for you. It's my brother's story, honestly. I really, really love clowns and have never had a scary incident with them. Things no one ever says. <laughs> <laughs> so, my grandma on my dad's side was always obsessed with clowns. She'd have a little clown and a jester porcelain doll, you know, those gaudy ones like the small yet knowing clown, all around her house. Oh. And when I was about five, she moved in with us. And my brother, who is four years older, always hated her clowns. But his real phobia had yet to begin. Okay, someone insert a spooky laugh. <laughs> I think my second one was better than my first one. I liked it all together. It just adds a sequence. Um, what if I laughed like that normally? <laughs> I would I would pull you aside and say, Sabrina, we gotta I'd work love on that to laugh. help mentor you maybe on some more appropriate laughing <laughs> techniques. <laughs> I appreciate you. She writes, side note, my grandma was not a kind lady, and I don't want to get into it in case I bum anyone out, but we were always convinced that she did some sort of dark satanic stuff. She was very mentally ill and physically ill, and it was just a bad situation. Oh. However, for some reason, she gave me some of her jester dolls. I put them on my shelf, and while I have always been afraid of dolls, these ones didn't seem to bother me at all. I collect them from thrift shops to this day. <laughs> She's the one that's wow. buying these things. That, you answered our question. Thank you, Elle. Yeah. I'd make my dad come in and turn all the dolls around so they didn't face my bed while I slept. And he'd always forget to turn them because they didn't scare me. For a couple of days, though, I'd wake up and one or both would be missing oh. and would later turn out that they had been in my brother's room. My mom accused me of having moved them there to scare him, but at that point, I was seven and way too busy reading to bother with scaring him, <laughs> yet the dolls would always be moved. And at this point, my mom and grandma 
were always at odds, and she suspected her of having moved the dolls for whatever reason. It got to the point where she was fed up and put the dolls in a box and shut them in the hall closet without my grandma knowing. And that night, my brother woke all of us up with blood-curdling screams. My mom said she ran into his room and found him on the floor, his window wide open. No. He was sobbing and told her that a clown had come in his window and pulled him from his bed, giving him rug burn on his back, even as it tried to pull him through the window. Oh, full tilt. Oh, my gosh. Oh. My brother was 11 and wasn't the sort to make up wild stories or to scream in the middle of the night. I was the one with night terrors. My dad was a Marine, so he grabbed his gun and he ran outside, and there was no one to be found. And our Chow Chow hadn't even heard a thing. Needless to say, oh, well, sorry, I'm just like picturing them being like, Chow Chow, did you hear anything? <laughs> He's like, no. Chow Chow, I'm fine. Chow Chow. I'm still sleeping. Needless to say, my mom threw these dolls out so fast. Yeah. And not much later, my grandma was forcefully removed from the house by police and sent back to live with my dad's other siblings. Oh. Ooh. Even with her gone, I was still plagued by her energy in the house, and I have many terrifying stories of my own from my time growing up there. Wow. If you'd like, I'll send them in. Yes, yes, we would. We would. Thank you both for your podcast. It makes my insomniac nights bearable. Love, L. I'm a millennial and a Slytherin. Yeah, L. And you sent and pictures of your cats. Pictures of the cats. So, they're so cute. I love them. They're so cute. But holy crap, how terrifying. Yeah, uh, I don't like that at all. Okay, it's one thing to be like, okay, the dolls are getting up and walking themselves over to the room. But the fact that they they were targeting her brother yeah. and moving into his room. And then as soon as they were put away into a bin, that spirit manifested as a full grown like male clown horrifying. and tried to rip her her brother forcibly from the bed what would have happened if he actually made it to the window or if he were heavy sleepers and didn't hear his screams i have no words this is absolutely terrifying thank god i'm on the ninth floor of my hotel so no clowns are gonna be climbing in through my window i don't know ghost clowns can do whatever they want it also doesn't open so that's good so that's even more terrifying they're just gonna be hovering outside Uh, looking in no sorry sabrina it's like that scene in It too. The balloon follows the guy through up like the windows and it comes inside. Yes. Oh! Oh my gosh. That I, It's so scary. Clowns? No. No. Clowns? Nope. No. I'm out. Whew. Okay. Wow. I now need to pee because of my fear. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have stories of your own, please do email them to us, especially because we will be cruising through, crushing out some more encounters we will be moving to a longer format for our encounters soon therefore we get to include more encounters we want them all we want them all please rate and review us on itunes all great reviews mean so much to us and they help us stay on the charts and (laughs) all great reviews and for those that don't do great reviews you're a clown to me you're no longer listening so (laughs) you won't hear oh well (laughs) Yeah, support us. You can support us in so many ways. Patreon, uh, supporting us by buying merch or just telling all your friends about it and following us on social media. And we will see you you on on the the other other side. side.